How do multifamily owners retain renters and increase net operating income? Well, we're on a journey to find out. You're listening to Amenitize or Die, tactics and strategies from the front lines of multifamily. I'm your host, Scott Patterson, Marine Corps veteran and founder of Tumble Smart Laundry on a mission to increase NOI through those shared laundry rooms. Today, we've got Judy Bellick on the show, who's an expert on pet inclusiveness and the need for pet-friendly amenities, which is obviously one of my favorite things, uh, being a dog owner, and uh, a huge part of today's multifamily communities. Uh, She hails from Found Animals, and Judy, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. Really excited to be on the show. It's my favorite topic, anything pet-related, so very happy to be here. Yeah. So, so Judy and I have already exchanged dog pictures. Uh, that was like the, the beginning, right? So I sent you, I sent you a picture to Hank and you sent me a couple of pictures of your dogs. Um, but I've, you know, I've, I've been a dog owner my entire life. Um, you know, and I'm a renter, I live in an apartment building and, uh, I couldn't imagine living anywhere without my dogs. So, um, absolutely stoked to hear how your story, how you even got into this and, uh, maybe, you know, what was the origin? Sure. Um, so first I have to say, uh, same dog owner, dog and cat owner, really my whole life, last 20 years or so that I've been married to my husband, no cats. Cause he's highly allergic. So we now have three same. dogs, uh, three of many that we've had over the years, love them. Absolutely. Cannot imagine a household without them. And, uh, to, so to backtrack a little bit, I have been in the multifamily arena for a little over 30 years. I always hate saying that. It sounds like a really long time and kind of dates me. <laughs> but wonderful industry that I have loved, had a great career on the supplier side, mostly with tech companies. And about a year and a half ago, I got approached by some friends of mine in the industry who were doing some contract work for Michelson Found Animals. And they said, hey, Judy, you're a dog lover. You've been in the industry a long time. You're well connected. Michelson Found Animals is really looking for someone to join their team to help them advance the pet inclusive housing initiative within the multifamily arena. And they gave me a brief description of the industry principal Uh, job. And my first reaction was, seriously, I mean, I would pay them to do this, honestly, (laughs) sort of a good, too good to be true scenario. So yeah, it's been a wonderful year and a half. I've been able to leverage my experience and expertise in the industry, as well as my connections in the industry to help Michelson found animals with the pet inclusive housing initiative, which has many facets. But the facet I'm most close to is, of course, socializing this initiative within multifamily, which has long accepted pets, but with a lot of breed restrictions, weight restrictions, restrictions in general. And so our goal is to really bring a lot of information and resources to bear to demonstrate to owners why actually accepting more pets is really good for business. So, okay. So industry-wide, I, to be, like I said, had a dog the whole time, really didn't find too many problems. I mean, Hank is, I mean, Hank's like 70 pounds, so he's not like a small dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some of the restrictions or what are some of the things that I guess exclude and, and sort of make this an opportunity to, to be different? Sure. Well, and I want to be really quick to say that the industry has come a really long way in the last 15 years or so. I know when I started in the industry, 
almost no apartment communities accepted pets of any kind. And now oh, wow. I would say the vast majority of them do accept pets. However, while the industry really thinks of itself as pet friendly, most renters who are looking, especially if they have a larger dog, a dog that's on a restricted breed list, don't see the industry as pet friendly. In fact, our research shows that while 76% of the industry would call themselves pet friendly, 72% of renters looking for an apartment home do not find the industry to be pet friendly. And it really just boils down to a disconnect in the definition based on those restrictions. So what we really typically see in the industry is weight restrictions. Usually I would say the average is about a 40 pound weight restrictions for dogs. And then anywhere from five to about 15 breed restrictions. And they're what you might think, right? The usual suspects, pit bulls are at the top of the list or any pit bull mix, German shepherds, Rottweilers, uh, you know, on down the list. And, you know, the, the ironic thing is that, you know, even if you take a look at the standard golden retriever or Labrador, those are dogs that are close to the, the size of your dog, right? 60, 70 pounds at least. And so the industry is really um, taking a broad swipe at not allowing a, a large, large number of dogs. And it's unfortunate because about 70% of households in the USA today have a pet. A large number of those are dogs. So, okay. So is this where, where, why would owners have these restrictions? Is this insurance based? Is this just sort of stigma based? Um, has it, has it just been a long-term policy that just hasn't changed in 30 years or whatever? Sure. I mean, where, 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 does, where are they coming from? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All of the above. I think, you know, when I come on board and we started talking to operators about their pet policies and their views on pets, really, I would say even before the insurance objection, the first thing we heard was, well, you know, we haven't even really thought about our pet policies in a decade or so, right? It's even somewhat difficult to get to who owns the pet policies within an organization, especially the larger an organization is, and, and I would say particularly fee managed, right? So it's sometimes hard to get to who owns that, and what's the process for changing that? Um, right behind that, of course, is the insurance objection. There is what we're finding is mostly a misconception in the industry and really in the U.S. in general around insurance, what insurance will and won't accept in pets, not only in multifamily, but in housing, single family housing. And we're finding that more and more carriers don't have those restrictions and or may recommend restrictions, but don't charge anymore if you decide not to go down that path. And, you know, our feeling is that the biggest reason for that is that there's just not a lot of data to support making decisions on breed restriction. Hmm. Then, you know, stigma is certainly a big part of it, I would say, especially for dogs that have unfortunately gained a really bad rap in the media or a bad reputation. You know, pit bulls, of course, are the first breed everyone thinks of. And particularly if you look back at the 90s and early 2000s, where there were so, there were so many of those uh, breed used in dog fighting. And, you know, it's illegal, of course, across the 50. And uh, the fact of the matter is 
they're such teddy bears. My daughter, my 33 year old daughter who has four beautiful children has a 12 year old pit bull who trust me has been pulled and ridden and dressed up and yeah. everything you can think of. And she's the gentlest, sweetest dog. I've, I've lived with three pit bulls. I, mm -hmm. I mean, two of my roommates have had, had pit bulls and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and Hank, I mean, Hank's still alive. So, um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, they're, they're just big cuddle, big cuddle bugs. You know? They like, are, they, they are. They're yeah. the sweetest dogs. You know, any dog that displays aggressive behavior is not doing that because it's, it's nature, right? They're, they're displaying that aggressive behavior either because they've been trained to do that or they've been neglected or, you know, they have some kind of a physical issue that is causing the pain or simply that they were approached in the wrong way. Hmm. So, you know, there, there are many, many misconceptions that exist out there and we really are hoping to overcome those. So you, you talked a little bit about data. So like Ed Wolf, mm -hmm. good friend of mine from lease lock, mm -hmm. right? Huge data set on, on, uh, on rental deposits at sure. this point. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there, is that somewhere where you could go and just say, Hey, like, is there a data set on how much pet damage there's ever been? Well, and that's actually a really good idea, and I need to approach Ed about that. I know him too. Um, we've done a little bit of our own research on that through the Pi High study that we did in 2020. And really interesting data came out of that, which showed us that you know, the renter, the, the set that we surveyed, which we feel is, you know, a representative sample, only about 9% of rental units reported damage at all. And the average amount of those damages was about $210. So $200. even just a regular security deposit covers that. So again, big misconception about damage. I mean, hey, if you really want to get to the nitty gritty, kids cause a lot more damage than dogs yeah, do. Absolutely. And right. college kids cause more damage, even more, right? Like, <laughs> um, okay, there's got to be a flip side to this, then, right? If we're talking about two hundred and ten dollars of risk, mm -hmm. there's got to be like an NOI upside of like getting people in the door. Absolutely. You know what? what what's what's the date on that? Yeah, huge NOI upside, and we've done um, several case studies now. We plan to do a great deal more because we really want to prove this point out in the industry. Our own study that we did that I referenced earlier shows that most pet owners will stay in a unit about 21% longer. As we continue to produce more data, I think we're going to find that that number is a lot higher. And I'll give you an example. We did a case study last year with the management group, which is a firm out of Atlanta, Georgia, about 4,000 units uh, with Jamin Harkness, one of their partners. And they, at the time we did the case study, have been uh, restriction free for pets for about three years. And what prompted that was they had an incident on site. Um, they started asking themselves, why do we even have these restrictions? Let's look into it, called their insurance provider. Insurance provider said, yeah, no, we don't have any restrictions on this. And that combined with just the rising number of ESA um, accommodation requests, just drove them to really rethink their policies. They ended up removing restrictions. At the time they removed their restrictions, they had a dog census of about 40% um, of their units, right? Within 
two years, they were up to 70% of their units with dogs. Now here's where the data comes in that speaks to NOI. Among their uh, dog census units, so 70% of their units, they saw their average turn rate go from 50% to 70%. Okay. Uh, retention rate, I apologize. Yeah, retention. Yeah, I, yeah, I was like, probably not turn, but retention, so 70%. That is a huge lift on retention. That absolutely translates to NOI. You've, you've got greater lifetime value of a customer. You've got lower turn costs. You've got less vacancy loss. I mean, you know, crunch the numbers, right? I think on yeah. we calculated that on one property alone, that would translate to about 140000 additional right. NOI do dollars in a year. Yeah. I mean, two, I mean, two thousand dollars a turn right now. Um, probably even more expensive with a little bit of inflation sprinkled in there. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's Just like we're in a, a softening of the market. Like, yeah. So. In fact, it's from an NOI perspective that policy has been so successful for them that they decided to discontinue charging pet rent because they felt like at this point we're sort of nickel and diming the customer who's now proven to be a very valuable customer for us. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> pretty so, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and, and like I said, I, I just, this, I, I've seen weight restrictions, right. But mm -hmm. like, they've never been like hard and fast rules. Like, I feel like if you look at like the NAA standard lease that's out there, right. there's something about pets in there. There's some mm -hmm. sort of like category type stuff. Right. But I've really never found any operator to be like really hard on it. Like, I'll just be like, yeah, my dog is like 70 pounds, but he sleeps all day. Like, you know, like he's 12 years old. The guy, the guy like literally wakes up so that to go outside and then goes right. right back to sleep. So, um, I, I wonder, do you have any insight into, you know, how much leeway there is in some of these policies? Like, is it on the ground? Is it, is it property by property right. for the ones that don't maybe have an overarching actual, um, mm -hmm. policy? Well, I think I think what we see among the professionally managed units um, in the U.S., which you know we're talking about mm, approximately twenty million units or so of the pool that's out there, we normally do see an overarching policy. And if you are an owner-managed company, then that's the policy. They're usually pretty strict about it because they don't want to make the mistake of treating one resident differently than another. And that leads to all kinds of legal problems. Um, with the major fee managers, you also do see overarching policies, but of course, because of the nature of fee, right? Every owner has to buy in or not to those policies. And so you'll see sometimes vast differences, for example, within a gray star or within a Lincoln because different owners will say, um, you know, Lincoln, for example, only restricts five breeds. So that's, you know, that's huge progress. And they, I believe, only have a weight limit of 100 pounds. So, you know, obviously they hugely increase their pool, but they may have an owner who says, no, I want to restrict all 12 of these breeds, right? That's the direction it usually goes in because again, there are so many misconceptions among owners, I think in particular, who are a little bit removed from the day-to-day -day operations about damages, about um, you know how other residents on site may feel about having dogs or more dogs on site, um, you know, waste control, all of those things. 
Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I have in my building is like a pet wash station mm-hmm. and like some of these things to sort of encourage pet owners. Sure. Um, well, maybe mostly, I think my building is kind of just a dog building to be totally honest. I feel like everyone has a dog. Um, what are, what are some of the other sort of restrictions out there or things that I guess, now let's talk about the amenity side of this, right? Like mm-hmm. what are some of the ways that operators are actually attracting these high retention renters to, to activate sort of that ROI? Well, you know, it's really interesting because uh, again, you know, we've done research on this and um, the number one amenity that renters are really looking for is simply that, you know, pet friendliness, right? Please allow me to bring my pet with me. But aside from that, you know, sort of uh, non-starter, if you will, they're really looking for for pet spaces, right? Dog parks, dog runs, pet-friendly amenity spaces. And so we've seen a lot of operators, of course, do this. And it's I would say you see probably more apartment communities now that have dog spaces than don't. Um, some have really gone the extra mile, though, because not only have they made their club rooms pet-friendly, they have treats in the leasing office, um, really great story. Actually, it was down in Naples uh, just about a month ago on site at a TGM or TMG community filming a video testimonial for the Pi High initiative and was in the leasing office. And early morning, resident after resident kept coming in with their dog, not because they needed to talk to the leasing staff about an issue, but because their dogs have become so accustomed to coming by and getting a treat. And boy, they made a beeline for where they knew the treat jar was. Um, But we've also seen some really creative amenities out there, dog wash stations. And um, I have to mention, because it's top of mind for me right now, because we've had several conversations, there's actually a company in Dallas um, that has purchased two apartment communities, you know, market rate, 300 unit apartment communities. They've retrofitted them. They are sort of the... um, uh, the pendulum has swung way over here on dog friendliness because they really do cater to dog owning residents. So they not only have all of those things that I mentioned, but they have um, uh, dog friendly yards in the back of each unit that, you know, with fences, dogs can't jump where they can, you know, go in. They put doggy doors in. On the non-ground floor units, they have pet relief stations on dog-friendly balconies. They have Furbo treat units in the unit, uh, in each unit that also have AI built into them so that if a dog barks for more than a certain period of time, perhaps meaning that he's in distress, it texts the owner to let them know. I mean, just, I could go on and on, but, you know, we've seen some really, really creative things, which only I think demonstrates that there is a market for this, right? And and people are looking for these things because their pets are so important to them in their lives. Yeah. I mean, we have a dog walker. I mean, that's like one of the amenities yeah. is that there's a guy that's on yeah. staff that walks dogs, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, is great. I'm sure he has other duties yeah. besides just walking dogs, but um, you know, it's, it's yeah, kind of a, yours a, is a big thing. And we're seeing yeah. a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, like return to office, you know, everyone got a dog over the pandemic and now Absolutely. like, now they, I mean, luckily my dog is very low maintenance and he hates the office. I mean, he, <laughs> like, he leaving bed is like, 
becoming Aww. kind of a, a whole thing. Used to so, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but what, so kind of had a question come up, like, what are some of the other restrictions? So, I mean, obviously dogs and cats, probably largest number of things, but like, mm -hmm. you know, I think our VP of engineering has like a corn snake and, you know, it some is, people yeah. have like gerbils or something. I don't know. The right. hamsters are those restricted in the same way as dogs or since they're not, they don't interact with people as much It's it's not a big deal. Yeah. I would say not in the same way as dogs. Right. And cats sort of get a free pass, right. Except that you will usually see a, um, a quantity per unit restriction of, you know, one or two. So I can't have 20 cats is what you're you saying. can't have 20 cats. Nope. You can't be the, cr the crazy cat lady. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, also super allergic to cats. So it's yeah, probably not there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say that most communities that I've, you know, I've seen, I've talked to do have exotic pet restrictions. So, you know, you can't have your, your pet monitor or <laughs> eagle or something like that. But I would say hamsters, gerbils, snakes, even, um, I, you just don't see a lot of detail in restrictions hmm. around that. And I think operators have sort of left themselves open to define those restrictions by saying no exotic pets. But, hmm. you know, one of the, one of the most popular pets in the U S is a rabbit. And, you know, there are lots of rabbits out there. I know who, who to thunk, right. But, Apparently there really? are a lot of rabbits out there. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, yeah. rabbits are kind of low key though, right? They kind of really hop key. around, yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. a little loppy. Yeah. Hey, and there um, are some rabbits out there that are big as dogs. <laughs> what? No way. <laughs> huge rabbits. Yeah. They're very cuddly. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's. <laughs> You'll have I'm to gonna, research it. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to Google this now. Um, yeah. Check it out. So, uh, the pie high initiative, right? Mm -hmm. um, how, how far into it, how widespread, what can we do to help? What's the mission? Um, you know, what, 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 what's the message there? Well, first of all, uh, again, and again, thank you. You're really helping by having us on your podcast because that helps to amplify the message. And again, we find that the more we simply amplify the message, the more operators start thinking about their pet policies, which they haven't thought about in a while, and really asking themselves, do they need to make them a little bit more relevant? Um, the initiative's been around for a little over two years. As I said, I've been with the organization for about a year and a half, um, as well as a gentleman, Ross Barker, who was hired at the same time I was as the director of the initiative. And, you know, the great thing about Michelson Found Animals is that we are um, a self-funded nonprofit. So we don't have to spend a lot of time out there raising funds, right? Um, we're well-funded and we operate very much like a business. And I think in part because of that, we are really approaching this from a business point of view, right? You know, we we're, we don't want to be like the crazy animal people standing outside the room going, you need to allow more dogs. We want to be the people inside the building having the conversation, demonstrating why it's important. And, you know, what I would say is, you know, if I'm speaking to an owner or operator, please just look at the economics of this, right? And, and look at the data in the US and look how many people have pets in their households. And, you know, if you have a pet yourself, think about that, right? You know, would you 
part your with your pet to live in the beautiful apartment community on the corner? No. You know, the only reason people part with their pets is because there's some kind of really compelling reason and they have absolutely no choice. And, and unfortunately, we are seeing some of that right now in the U.S. because of inflation, because of rising rents, you know, the whole bit. That's another whole subject. But yeah, I would just say, you know, anytime, um, you know, as a pet lover, you can have a conversation with an operator and just say, hey, by the way, you know, what's your pet policy? And if they have weight and breed restrictions, just ask the question, why? Yeah, I mean, that's it's great, great advice. And, you know, hopefully everyone listening out there, you know, is is, is thinking about sort of the, the renter of today. That's always what we talk about, right? Is like, yeah. Uh, we're not, this isn't the renter of 20 years ago. Everyone's got a dog or a cat, um, everyone, or they want a dog or a cat. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if you are going to attract people, especially in a softening market, you know, it's, this is, might be one of those easy ways. All you gotta do is change a policy. Change your policy. So, Listen, in every single case study that we've done, uh, the leadership of that organization has told us that from a marketing perspective, it's been a tremendous boon for them. They've had person after person after person come into their leasing office and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I found you. I visited XYZ property just down the road and they don't allow my 60 pound dog and you do. And where do I sign up? Right. So, you know, it's a boon on so many levels for operators. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Judy. Um, You're so welcome. So, what, like, what a great message, right? Like, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm totally biased, absolutely, because I, you know, obviously me and Hank are going to be around renting for a while. Sure. Um, so, uh, but yeah, thanks so much. And um, mm. yeah, I, I, if there's any way that we can help, just definitely let us know. Um, maybe we'll do some, some pet stuff. Some tumble, some tumble, tumble found pet uh, <laughs> partnership here. I um, love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, and again, thank you so much for having me. Um, really means a lot to us that you would give us the time and help us amplify the message, which is a great message, you know, not only for pet owners, but for owners and operators. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for listening to the show. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Amenitize or Die. I'll see you next time.